Successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show and online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. I appreciate you joining us today on 980 AM or on Apple Podcasts or GrillNationShow.com. You connect with me on social media, on Twitter, at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. Also, just search Jason Grill. I am uh, everywhere on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. Uh, an exciting time. I'm very excited about our show today. Uh, we've had some really good shows, and I think today, recently, and I think today will be a uh, another one uh, with a lot of really good stories and information for the listeners I'm joined today by Melissa Vincent, who's the executive director of Pipeline of the Pipeline Entrepreneurial Program. Uh, Melissa has been an entrepreneurial-minded leader with 15 years of experience building and leading diverse companies through every stage of the startup lifecycle. She's passionate about helping other entrepreneurs and uh, has done a lot of really interesting things in her career and supported many causes, including uh, a lot of nonprofits. And uh, she also is an investor and a mentor and the executive director of the Pipeline Entrepreneurial Program in Kansas City. The Pipeline website is pipelineentrepreneurs.com. Melissa, welcome to the Grill Nation show. How are you today? Jason, thanks so much for having me. So, uh, okay, Melissa, we met about a month or so ago. Uh, yes, had, had done some research, had heard about you because of your, your new career here in Kansas City. Tell us about, uh, first off, um, where you're from, you know, your background, I know you've been in the entrepreneurial community. Where did this all start for you? How did you get involved in entrepreneurship? Ooh, that is a winding path to get here. We got uh, time. We got time, Melissa. That's the beauty of the Grill Nation show. So I'm originally from the East Coast, originally from Pennsylvania. And my path to being an entrepreneur actually started in social work, which is an unlikely path to get here. But it's worked out for me. Um, so I was a social worker working with dementia patients, so people with Alzheimer's and different types of dementia, and was recruited to start a 10-bed geriatric psych unit, um, and basically from the ground up. So in my mind, that was my first startup. I mean, we had to pick paint colors, process and procedure manuals, built that thing out. It was the fastest growing, um, fastest growing, uh, unit that they had in the hospital. I mean, we, we killed it. And, um, because there's a high need, not because we were so amazing, but there was a lot of need for that. There weren't a lot of hospitals that were doing that. So, um, from there, that was really my first seeing something from the ground up. And I loved it. I love being in on that ground level and being able to have an, an influence and guide the direction of things. And so from there, I ended up getting married and moving to Oklahoma, which is where I am currently. Um, city. Correct. Oklahoma City, Norman. So go OU. Sorry. So, wait, no, so Norman for the listeners is close to Oklahoma City, I think, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, it's about a 20 minute drive. It's so you kind of had the best of both worlds. You have kind of the college town plus a, a city life. And that's why I love it so much. That's exactly right. 20 it's, minutes, that, that's close. I mean, that is... That's yeah, it's far. not far. Nope. Yeah. No, so yeah, so then I uh, moved here and um, was looking for something to stay in healthcare. And um, <clears throat> my husband at the time... He had a best friend who had a tech startup and was like, hey, while well, you're looking for something, why don't you just work for us? Turns out, loved it. I actually uh, became a partner in the company, stayed on through acquisition. And then after that, the uh, angel investor was like, hey, you guys should do something else, start another startup. So we did. We got into the mobile giving space. And uh, I was hooked after that. I mean, I you can't get me away from... You know, starting something from the ground up, seeing it through. And so then from there, uh, I got recruited. I started my own companies. So I've had a couple of my own companies. Um, one is a software development firm. Another was a sports tech company. And then I got recruited last year to join the uh, pipeline team here in Kansas City. And so I actually spent half my time in Kansas City and half my time here in Norman. So I like to say I live in both states. You do. Let's talk about kind of one of your startups before we get into pipeline. The locked in sports. You said you were you had a sports startup. What what is that? So locked in sports was a way for me to try to create an even playing field for youth athletes who don't necessarily have access to um, really great coaching or um, personal trainers either because they're not close to a major city where there's really good training. Um, their parents may not have access to it, access to it financially, may not be able to take them to training. And um, so there's all these like issues and barriers that create an uneven playing field for kids to have access to really great training. And so the idea of the platform was to create a player side app that allowed kids to be able to take a self-assessment. It took into account their height, weight, all those things. Um, and then based on their sport, their position, it would create a custom workout for them to improve in their sport and in their position. So even if they never had access to a great coach or a great trainer, they could actually improve and, and um, he would learn with them as, as they improved and changed their workouts. And then there was a coach's side. So if they did have a great coach or a coach, they could actually integrate. And if they didn't, then, you know, they could be used separately. So it was a really interesting um, startup. And we work with some really great NFL players. We started in the NFL. We had um, some players who are still around today. Keep to leave. Aaron Donald, who's you know still killing it. You might, you um, might, you might name him the best defensive player in the NFL. Not to brag. I mean, come on. Yeah. You 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 landed some big athletes, and and I yep. think that's interesting because a lot of people, you know, they wonder how do I how do I connect to like kind of whether they're athletes, thought leaders, influencers, people that maybe could invest in their business. Uh, you know, they have an idea for a sports company or they have an idea for an entertainment company or whatever. Yeah. Um, people are always fearful of, of, of those things. And you accomplish those things. Well, and, and I will tell you, I learned a lot in that process. Um, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad. There's a lot of things I wish I had known before. Um, but all in all, it was a great experience. I just... Uh, for anyone who's listening, who is like, oh, how do I do that? There's just a lot of things that you should know before you do it that will help you save a lot of money and a lot of time. Right. And that's what, you learned. that's what you learned through that, that process. So you, so we'll, we have a minute left in our first segment. I wanted to kind of set the, uh, the background for you, you know, East Coaster moves to the Midwest, stayed in the Midwest, which is interesting. We can get into that more. Live in Oklahoma 
have kind of touched on the startup world down there, which I want to talk about more. And now we're running Pipeline, which obviously has been around for a while and has done really great things and had yeah. a lot of great companies and is forefront of everything happening here in the local region. And you obviously are an outside voice, which I like coming in to help maintain and grow that. But I, I wanted to sit kind of the table before we got into Pipeline, because I think throughout this show, I think Melissa can provide a lot of great information as far as what she's learned throughout entrepreneurship and throughout her journey for our business folks that are listening. Um, Cause there are obviously Melissa's a lot of business minded people who are either sitting at a big office company or whatnot and thinking about an idea or they are, um, they're trying to grow their business. So throughout the show today, I want to talk more about that. Melissa Vincent is our guest today. She is on LinkedIn. She's on pipeline, you know, pipelines website, which again is pipelineentrepreneurs.com. Um, very excited about the show. We're going to break into information about Pipeline here after the break. You're listening to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM and on podcast and at grillnationshow.com. We'll be right back. You're the reason God made Oklahoma. You're the reason God made Oklahoma. I'm sure missing. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM and on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and however you get your podcasts as well as on grillnationshow.com. I'm Jason Grill. Thanks again for joining us this week. Uh, we've got great weather here locally, which is awesome in the fall, and I'm just just enjoying the days before it gets uh, freezing outside, which is not something I look forward to. That's probably my least favorite time. Once, Well, the holidays are great, but, you know, January and February are rough in the Midwest. And Melissa Vincent has been in the Midwest for a while. She's the executive director of the Pipeline Entrepreneurial Program. Pipelineentrepreneurs.com is the website. Okay, Melissa, we talked about your background in startups and entrepreneurship. Uh, you, uh, took this job about a year ago. Joni Cobb, uh, is, uh, I guess you would say retired from the role or left the role after a lot of success. Yeah. 14 and years. 14 years. Very, very, uh, active in the Kansas city community. Tell us about kind of what, what's going on. I mean, what is pipeline? How did you, how'd you get involved with this? And, and, and tell us more about pipeline, I guess I'm asking just as a whole. Yeah. So Pipeline is a fellowship for high growth entrepreneurs who happen to call the Midwest home, which means they have to technically right now, we will expand, but they have to be in either Kansas, Missouri, or Nebraska. That's kind of our region. And what we do is we take 13 fellows through a year long fellowship program of really intense training where we bring in experts from the coast. We bring in world-class people from MIT, Wharton, and Silicon Valley. And those are the people who are leading these three-day really intensive training courses. And so by the time they get through the end of the year, um, they get to pitch for being entrepreneur of the year and innovator of the year for our program. And then after their fellowship year, they have an opportunity to become a member the following year. So we take zero equity in their companies. Our goal is really to be a resource for them, train them during their fellowship year, and then become a resource for them after. So over 14 years that Joni was the founder and CEO, we have over 140 members that have gone through the program, and they have done some really amazing things. So 
the goal of Pipeline is if you focus strictly on these high growth entrepreneurs, that those resources are typically spent on early growth entrepreneurs, these other areas, but not this little niche focus of high growth entrepreneurs in the Midwest. If you look at the financial ramifications of focusing on that group in particular, it's massive. So the amount of jobs that are, you know, the high growth jobs are typically higher paying jobs that are being created. Um, they're raising capital here. They're staying here. Um, they're, you know, growing their businesses here. And so as one little organization, just by investing and growing and helping those companies not plateau, the financial implications have just been really enormous. And that's the thing that I'm most proud of is how much you actually can help a region just by focusing on those entrepreneurs. That's awesome. You guys have a ton of partnerships uh, throughout the region. I mean, I'm going to your website again, pipelineentrepreneurs.com, you know, Coffin Foundation, a lot of the universities uh, in the region, uh, chambers, startup organizations, uh, foundations, you name it. Uh, people have been invested in, the, in this program. Yeah. And, and again, you got to give a lot of credit, well, really all the credit for that to Joni and the team that started the organization, because what the way that it was kind of birthed was KTAC was originally kind of where the um, organization was. And then the state of Kansas kind of shut off their funding for that. And as a result, that could have died. And Joni was like, not on my watch. So she really you know, dug in and they came up with Pipeline Entrepreneurs. And 14 years later, it's a really successful organization with some really phenomenal partners like um, Kaufman and the Peter Kewitt Foundation and a lot, like you said, a lot of universities, um, KUMC and whatnot. So it's- Well, Q's on there. I saw Nebraska. Yep. We forget yeah. about Nebraska up here. I mean, I do. I mean, there was a time where like the Silicon Prairie became the kind of the niche kind of thing. They had a website and I've been up to Omaha for a tech event. And I, you know, it was like, we're going to connect Omaha, Des Moines and Kansas City. But I find that to be hard as a Kansas City and because it's Kansas City and I want- Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas to excel. Uh, but I understand, you know, if we're going to compete with some of these clusters and regions throughout the, the U.S. for entrepreneurs and for young company growth, you know, we have to be kind of a region, as you yeah. understand being from Oklahoma. Exactly. Well, <laughs> and I think as an ecosystem, you really, you have a greater chance of success when you link those regions versus just focusing on a single region. And so... It's just hard um, because, Melissa, you know, we're not really, I mean... It, you we're don't not want to connected share. and culturally. I, I I don't know. Like when I think of uh, Nebraska and Iowa, I just feel different than I think of Missouri and Kansas. When I think of you down in Oklahoma and Arkansas, I mean, it's just a different vibe some ways. And so you're having to connect all these dots, which you're doing a great job. I mean, that that's not easy. Well, thanks. I mean, I think when you look at the lack of resources for the region, it's a little bit easier because it's like you're just building bridges. It's like, look, you don't have we can either do this together or we can all do this individually. But my pitch is let's do it together and we'll get further. And then you find the things that unite you are way greater than the things that don't. Right. So when you're talking about sheer numbers, I mean, I'm up on the website. I'm sure they're even bigger now. But am I reading this correctly? Three hundred and forty two million dollars is revenues generated by your pipeline members. That is correct. And over $2 billion of revenue generated uh, lifetime. Yep. Two, three, $342 million in 2019. I mean, these, these numbers are just absolutely insane. And uh, the capital raising as well over the lifetime is $715 million for the pipeline member companies. 
Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes you hear those numbers and you're like, did you make that up? But we actually have to track all of that because of the, we are a grant-based program. And so as a result of that, we have to very carefully track all of our numbers. So that data is not just like, uh, this seems right. It's actually quite accurate. Um, And we have to track it for our program. So it's, that's why when you look at the programming again, you, it's shocking when you actually look at the financial impact that we've had over 14 years, because it's just, you don't think about it as, oh, I'm helping, we're helping 13 entrepreneurs a year. But over time, those 13 entrepreneurs, because they're high growth, are building really successful companies. And those companies are staying in the Midwest versus going to the coast. And that's really creating a really big impact for our region. I mean, not even just two globally. I mean, 85 countries are in your global network of pipeline companies. Uh, it's just, it's amazing the amount of effect we're having right here from uh, from Kansas City. Um, what was it like? You've been in the startup world your whole career, um, or entrepreneurial world your whole career, and you you have this moment, and, and I know a lot of people listening probably been faced with it, where you, you are recruited for something like this, an executive director role, where it kind of, you know, you're in a leadership role, of course, uh, but you're also getting to work with startups. I mean, it seems like a perfect match for you. And that's what you thought when you heard about it. (laughs) It's exactly what I thought. And so, you know, what's interesting is that I had not heard of Pipeline because Pipeline's not in Oklahoma. So regionally, I had not heard of it. But I've been very involved in the Oklahoma City startup, you know, ecosystem here. And so when I got a call from a recruiter about the position and I looked it up, I was like, oh, my gosh, could this job be any more perfect? I mean, it was like you know, a lot of times you look at a job description and you're like, eh, I mean, like I like most of it. But in this case, I was like, oh my gosh, this would be my dream job. And it really has been. I mean, the the members that we have and getting to go through the fellowship program, getting to work with those, you know, world-class leaders who are doing the training. I mean, what's not to love? What have you kind of learned throughout your first year that has uh, maybe surprised you? And we'll, we'll talk about COVID in the future in the next segments. But what about like, as far as being the executive director of a of an organization like Pipeline, having a board, having to follow in the footsteps of, of a very successful leader. Um, what have you learned maybe that surprised you the most about yourself and about just kind of doing something like this? You know, I, I think that it's helpful to have had startups. So when I um, took this position, I was transitioning one of my companies over to someone else. And so I very much understood how hard it is when you have your own little company that's your baby to give that off to someone else. So I think I had at least a bit of a, you know, understanding that it was going to be difficult to hand over the reins to someone when you've run something for 14 years. And so, you know, that's something that uh, I think regardless of how, you know, I know you're real good into the pandemic in a little bit, but the pandemic actually helped me in that sense because no one had ever been through it before. So when you're, if you had a typical year and I'm taking over, it's like everything would be the exact same as it had been for 14 years. And so for me, because of the pandemic, it was like, oh, well, no one's ever been through a pandemic as the executive director of Pipeline. So it gave me an opportunity to try some things and do things differently that I probably wouldn't have had a chance to do had it not been for the pandemic. So I think in the long run, it probably helped that transition. What kind of companies do you usually see that, uh, I know you said high growth, um, Give us some examples of some verticals that you guys operate in. 
So that's the interesting thing about pipeline is that it's not specific to like ag or tech or bio. It is across the board. So what we're looking for is the entrepreneur, not the horse or the rider, not the horse. So that means we're really looking at when, the, when we're, when we just finished recruiting season. So we're looking to say, okay, is this person someone, even if this idea, this company that they have failed, would they get right back up and start another really great idea, learn from that and have that be successful? Um, and so when we're looking at the entrepreneurs, we're really focused on them and not necessarily the company. Um, and so we, we've just had, you know, great success in entrepreneurs that we've had go through the program. And because of that, there's really no focus on just an industry. So we do have ag, we do have bio, we do have tech, we have marijuana industry. I mean, like it really is the whole spectrum. And that's what's kind of fascinating for me as a entrepreneur myself is that you're getting to see all these different um, companies in different industries and the way that they go about like reaching their, their target customer. And it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because it is across the board, it could be any, any industry. Very interesting stuff. Melissa Vincent is our guest today on the Grill Nation show. Again, executive director of the Pipeline Entrepreneurial Program. Their website is pipelineentrepreneurs.com. We'll be right back after the break. Thanks for joining us today on 980 AM or via podcast. As you brush your shoes, you stand before your mirror. And you comb your hair. So in love are we two that we don't know what to do? So in love. So in love. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I am your host, Jason Grill. Awesome show so far. You're listening to 980 AM or on podcasts or also at grillnationshow.com where you can find all of our old shows. I list those each and every week and put in descriptions about what we talked about and list our guests and what they do. Um, Exciting uh, show today. Uh, Very excited again to talk to Melissa Vincent, Executive Director of the Pipeline Entrepreneurial Program, which is here in Kansas City. The website is pipelineentrepreneurs.com. She's an entrepreneur herself and has started and exited many successful companies. She's also very heavily involved uh, in nonprofits and kind of helping the greater good too, and not just uh, and not just revenue, I guess you would say, and uh, and growing a business. Um, you 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 know, we talked about Oklahoma a little bit, and you've been on the job now in Kansas City uh, for about a year, a little over a year. You know, what, what are the differences that you find when you are talking to entrepreneurs and startups? Is there any, I mean, culture, or is there any differences between our two states? Yes, I think there are. I, okay, so here's the, the biggest difference that I've noticed. So Oklahoma City, and I can't take credit for this analogy because someone else said it and it just so resonated. I've always used it since. It is a bunch of little fires and no one wants to come together and create one big fire. So it's like a lot of different groups doing their own thing in similar ways instead of just coming together and saying, hey, if we join forces, we could actually have a much greater impact. Um, so it's all these little fires, and not one big bonfire. When you look at Kansas City, it's much more advanced in that area. You have more organizations. And even if they're doing similar things, they're doing them in partnership with each other almost, right? So there's not, there's more, um, there's more established organizations like Pipeline, like Techstars, you know, Oklahoma doesn't have Techstars, doesn't have Pipeline yet. 
um, those kind of things. So it's a lot of little, little groups versus Kansas City has a better, you know, ecosystem, if you will, um, already established. And so I think that Oklahoma could get there. It just needs to, rather than everyone doing their own individual things, it needs it needs someone to unify it and be the glue to come together. Current pipeline cohort or future ones, where are we with uh, kind of the, I guess, the fiscal year as far as the classes and graduation and, and, and what's next? So next week is our fourth and final module for this year's cohort. Um, and they have had to go through. So one of the things about pipeline to know is that it's very social. So everything's in person. It is, they're like a family with each other. So for this year, it's the first year because of the pandemic, we got in the first module. And then after that, everything with the pandemic hit. So we've been virtual ever since, including this final module. So they will go through um, a graduation in January, which right now is probably also going to be virtual. We kind of just have to call that. But where they will actually be, um, they'll have nominations, they'll pitch. And then the Entrepreneur of the Year, which we call Innovator of the Year, gets announced along with some other awards. So that is coming up in January. And then we're actually naming next year's class, or not next year, last year's class, the 2019 Fellows kind of got gypped on their Innovator of the Year event because it was supposed to be in April and the pandemic hit. And so that we're doing virtually online from 6 to 7 p.m. next um, next Thursday, the 12th. So, so you've got, you've got overlapping uh, processes here. Yes, there's a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> so if I'm a, a startup or entrepreneur and I'm listening to the show, whether I'm in, well, I'm somewhere in the Midwest, I guess. Somewhere in the Midwest. Um, what, uh, when can I get involved? Is it, is it, can I still apply or is it, is that over? Unfortunately, no, you just missed the deadline. So the deadline was actually uh, Friday. And so we will be making our announcement. Well, so basically they go through semi-final interviews, which will be coming up and then final interviews following that. And then we will announce the 13 fellows who make it in January at the innovators events. And so, yeah, so those that everyone just we just closed applications. So I have spent the past couple of days reviewing applications, looking at the amazing companies that applied and figuring out uh, who's going to make it through to semifinal interviews. You still have some you still have a lot of people applying during COVID. Yes. And that was the thing. So, you know, again, being my first year, I haven't gone through a recruiting season before. And so there's obviously concerns with COVID or people going to apply. I would say that because you're looking at entrepreneurs, you know, that's when innovation happens is when there's challenges like this. So I would say that the quality of the applicants that we've gotten has just been phenomenal. I think there's a lot of innovation going on. Um, and that, I mean, that is what we do in situations like this as entrepreneurs. We find a way to thrive and to pivot and to adjust and innovate. Mm-hmm. And so people aren't really, uh, they realize a lot of this is going to be virtual and they, have, they aren't concerned about it as far as building the relationships, getting the knowledge and uh, growing their companies. It seems like you guys have fared okay. You know, we what we've done is we've gotten to be experts at Zoom. Um, and making some fun events. We've done a lot of programming for our members that we also included for our fellows. And the other thing is, is they've just had a lot of accessibility to myself, to mentors, to members. We've really tried to make those kind of intentional connections between the fellows and the members and myself and our team, just to really help them have that support since everything is virtual and that's unusual. So those 
connections that would normally happen in person aren't. So we're being very intentional about making this happen virtually. What uh, We're talking to Melissa Benson again, Executive Director of Pipeline Entrepreneurial Program, online at pipelineentrepreneurs.com. Melissa is on LinkedIn as well, if you want to connect with her. Um, so so what, where do you want to take Pipeline? I mean, it sounds like you guys are in a really good position. Of course, you're always, you always had to maintain your funding and your, your partners and your um, active members and provide value to your new members and cohort. Uh, what, what's your, what's your kind of outlook look like once we kind of remove COVID and kind of, you know, move on from the virus at some point when we get a vaccine, what, what do you want to do? Where do you want to take this? I mean, I just, I know because you're entrepreneurial and you've done so many different types of uh, entrepreneurial things in your life, you obviously have thought about this and probably had to tell them what your vision was when you got the job. That was a question that they asked. <laughs> um, no, so for me, one of the things, so if you look at um, the organization, so you have 140 members, you have this brain trust of really, really brilliant entrepreneurs. I mean, they've had, there have been a lot of really, really big exits by our members. And so you have this brain trust and, and you don't want to dilute the brand at all. And at the same time, you want to be able to share that with the community. So for me, I'm very much a community builder. So finding ways to take the brain trust of our entrepreneurs and share those within the community to help other entrepreneurs, you know, kind of grow in their entrepreneurial story um, without diluting the brand. And so it's that fine line of becoming more community focused and also not diluting, you know, who we are and that it is very difficult to get into. We only take 13 people a year, but there are ways that we can give back to the community and we can help other people get in. And I think that ultimately at the end of the day, that benefits everybody. You talk about 13 people that get in. Um, are there anyone, is there any companies maybe that you can kind of talk to us about that are in the program right now or have gone through the program in 2019 or ones that you've maybe uh, interacted with? Of course, you've interacted with all of them, but a couple maybe that can give us a flavor of some of the businesses that you're working with. Yeah. So I'll give you a couple. Um, so one of, so we've had a number of exits even during the pandemic, which I think is unique and interesting just because the pandemic has hit, you know, companies in, in different ways. Um, and so We've had one, Maria Flynn, she, her company, Orbis Biosciences, was sold to Adair Pharmaceuticals. And she did that in the middle of the pandemic, which is amazing. One, I love seeing, you know, female entrepreneurs like, like her. She's amazing. And she has this exit in the middle of the pandemic. And her story is just really powerful. Of, you know, there are moments where it's in the pandemic. You don't know if it's going to go through or not. It just adds a layer of complication and everything. And so... For her to still have that exit in the pandemic has been fantastic. And she is what we want all of our entrepreneurs to be. She immediately was like, how do I get back? What do I do? How do I get? You know? And so that's the thing that I love about Pipeline is that it's a very give back family oriented group. And so when someone has an exit, we celebrate them. And then they are immediately trying to figure out how they can help everybody else. So she's one example. Um, another example would be, um, so one of our 2019 fellows, Donald Hawkins, um, he has won a number of startup um, kind of uh, awards and everything for his company, Griffin, and it works with banks, community banks, kind of help them tell their story. And he's also starting a new uh, startup called 10th, and B10th is the actual website, and that's really focusing on 
um, underserved communities who don't have access to banking and resources. So just really innovative stuff that's going on, everything from biotech to banking and, you know, looking at underserved communities. So really fascinating things that they're doing. And then in this year's fellowship class, we have, you know, again, it's kind of like, what are all the industries that we're in? We have a, um, one of our fellows from this year has a um, kind of a, it's a luxury bag, like purse for women, you know, and they're made by women in Thailand. So she was with the Peace Corps. Her name's Brooke Mullen. And she literally was there, saw that these women, you know, were, you know, not having the jobs that they could. And so she creates this luxury brand of purses, kind of like a Kate Spade. And it's all about, you know, helping these women in Thailand, you know, create jobs for themselves and, it's amazing. So that's what I'm saying about pipeline is that it's like, we have someone who has these luxury handbags that are made by women in Thailand. And then we have bioscience and then we have banking. It's really the whole spectrum. You got it all. And it's not just uh, tech. It's also products, as you just mentioned and causes, yeah. which I think is cool. We kind of forget about our main street entrepreneurs sometimes or our, uh, our manufacturers and mm-hmm. they're obviously very important. And uh, I love it. Uh, Melissa Vincent is our guest on the Grill Nation show. Again, executive director of the Pipeline Entrepreneurial Program, pipelineentrepreneurs.com. We'll be right back for our final segment of the Grill Nation show. Thanks for listening on 980 AM or via podcast. The bull-legged one. <laughs> yeah. What's your name? Damn thing. That sounds sexy. Uh, here I go. Here I go. Here I go again, okay. girls. What's my... Welcome back to the Grill Nation show, final segment of the show. I am Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us today. We are again joined by Melissa Vincent, who is the executive director of the Pipeline Entrepreneurial Program. The website is pipelineentrepreneurs.com. She's joining us via Zoom today, and uh, we've had a great show so far, learning about Pipeline and her background. So you've been in Kansas City now for a brief amount of time, back and forth. What what are some of your favorite places to go in town uh, that you could you could name or uh, or kind of uh, draw out for us here? Okay, so our office is right by the Plaza District, so I spend most of my time in the Plaza District as a result. And um, because I stay there half the week, I end up I stay at the Fontaine Hotel whenever I'm there, and. And I just say how much I love that hotel. It's a nice place. Yeah. And so they know me by name. So now because I'm there so much, they're like, hey. So it's kind of like my home away from home, which is really nice. And then there are just such great restaurants and places to go. So I can just walk to wherever I want to go. But True Food is like I'm a healthy eater. So I love True Food. So that's a huge like plug for them because they're fantastic. I need to get over there again. I mean, I I remember I went to a True Food once when – I think Santa Monica or something years ago. And I, and I thought to myself as an entrepreneurial person, I thought, wow, this thing would do very well in the Midwest. We have nothing like this. This is probably 10 years ago, maybe, maybe eight. We have nothing like this anywhere close to this. And I know a lot of guys that, uh, and gals who work on the plaza had something to do with recruiting that, um, oh, really? here and because they, they just didn't have uh, that healthy option. So that's cool that you like that place and it's growing. I have more yeah, I, think, I, I, I don't think I've stayed here and not eaten there. I mean, it is, that is my place. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. So you've done a lot in your career. What would you kind of, if you had a, if you had a look back on what you've done so far, um, what would to you be your biggest accomplishment, uh, whether it's in business or in, in life in general? 
So I would say in business, it has been just creating some successful companies and seeing them through. I it seeing seeing something from nothing to success is a long process and you learn so many different things along the way from doing a capital raise to looking at acquisition offers and trying to figure out what makes the most sense. So for me, it's been doing that. I think that there's a huge sense of accomplishment to create something from nothing and find a market for it and find a home for it. So I'd say that from a business perspective is probably my biggest accomplishment. Um, But obviously being recruited for Pipeline is a huge honor and a great opportunity to really grow Um, It's different when you're taking something from nothing and creating it than taking something that someone already built and growing it in a different way. So that's my my favorite challenge right now is figuring out how to do that successfully and learning a lot along the way, like how to write grants and things like that. Things that I wouldn't have done before. I'm like, oh, this is all new. And I love learning new things. I'm always curious. So it's been a great learning experience. Awesome. I love that. I love that. I'm the same way. I think that's why we get along. Um, best. Okay. You've probably had a failure, maybe not many, but can you, can you, can you tell us about one and how that made you a stronger person? Oh yeah. You know, what's interesting. I think that as an entrepreneur, I think if you haven't had failures, you're probably not as, you probably Aren't a risk have more. <laughs> You're not, a, you're not as much of a risk taker as you think you are. Probably. No. Right. So I will tell you, so one of my biggest, failures was I, when I started my software development firm, I went with someone who I'd worked with previously to be my co-founder. And my whole point of starting the company was really to help people who weren't technical founders be able to have a technical resource that they could trust. And so I went with someone I had worked with at my previous company Um, we had done a number of projects there. So there was a lot of established trust. We had also done our due diligence before we brought him on there. So everything was cool. So I started out on my own. I partnered with him and he ended up embezzling $250,000 from me. And uh, yeah, got asked to be paid in advance because we had a number of projects going on at the same time. And so made a lot of sense. Again, there was the established trust. And uh, after that, uh, that should have tanked my company. It felt like it was going to tank me personally because that's horrible, right? So you have these clients and you have no code. And so we went to sue him, which was my only legal recourse. And as it turned out, by that point, he had three or four other lawsuits against him, millions of dollars. So I was going to be last in line, which means I wasn't going to get anything from it. So I literally was like, okay, what am I going to do with this? And I didn't want anyone else to go through what I went through. So I reached out to some of the groups that were ahead of me in line as far as like the lawsuit path goes and was like, look, I'm way behind you, but if there's anything I can do to help you so this never happens to anyone else, I will gladly help you. So I ended up being deposed and helping one of the groups um, win their case. And so hopefully it won't ever happen to anyone again. But the learning experience from that, oh my goodness, like, it was absolutely horrible at the time, but I mean, everything from like just being careful, he was a subcontractor. So if anyone wanted to sue him, they'd have to sue me to get to him. And so all the things that you learn about how your contracts are set up and, you know, you set up things in a certain way because you think it'll actually, you know, it's the best way to set things up, but you don't know what those implications are if something like that were to happen. So it was an educational experience to say the least, but wow. it also taught me a lot. And um, I learned a lot about, you know, 
where contracts can go wrong and feel like I got my, uh, my, I feel like I was an attorney in training, just yeah, learning right? from all the pieces of that. Wow. You definitely were. I mean, you could probably write a class on operating agreements now. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, that's a great answer. Uh, what, what's some of the best entrepreneurial advice you've ever received, minus what you just told us? Maybe from a mentor of yours, because I know you're a mentor now, but, but something that a mentor told you along the way that you kind of live by uh, in life and in business. Yeah, so, and I, I say this to anyone who ever asks for like, what's my advice on life and business? So one, someone said this to me one time and it is just stuck with me. You make the decisions, you make it at the time with the information that you have then. When you get better information, you make better decisions. And so, so many times as an entrepreneur, you look back and you're like, oh, why did I do that? And you feel this kind of guilt and you you hold yourself up because you're like, why did I make this decision back then? And you see the negative influences. So for me, it was, you know, well, why did I trust that that person? But at the time, it was the right decision. But the information I had then, there was no reason, there was no way to know that it wasn't the right decision. And if it hadn't been the right decision, I wouldn't have made it then. So with the information you have at the time, you got to let yourself go and release the guilt of your decision-making process because you made the decision with the information you have. But now you have better information so you can make better decisions. So as an entrepreneur and as, as a human being, I think a lot of times we hold a lot of guilt when we look back and say, well, that was a dumb decision, but it wasn't a dumb decision at the time. It only is now that you have more information, it seems dumb, but it wasn't at the time. Great answer. Melissa Vincent is with us a minute left. Um, again, great advice and great, great information on the show. Last thing I have is what, what's your best investing advice? I mean, you've been involved with so many startups. How, what, what's, what do you look for? I mean, what, if, what should you look for? So the one thing I will say, and maybe this is just from, you want to make sure that whoever you're investing in is committed for the long term. A lot of times um, when you're making an investment in the founder, you want to be careful of, you know, kind of whether or not you, how much input you have with the investor, how much, you know, when, with your equity, you know, do you have a seat at the board? Do you have any type of voting rights? You just want to be very careful that you have a voice um, when you're investing in a company. So that way, um, decisions can't be made completely opposite of what you would want them to be without having at least a voice. Very good takeaway. Melissa Vincent, Pipeline Entrepreneurial Program in the Kansas City region, pipelineentrepreneurs.com. She is the executive director, doing a great job and just been a great guest today. I really appreciate you coming on the show today and uh, everyone check out the Pipeline Entrepreneurial Program and also try to help out some of these companies, right, Melissa? That's right. Thank you so much for having me. It's always good to... Uh, connect with you. Great to see you again. And thanks for listening today to the show, everybody. Have a great day and a great week. We'll talk to you again next week.